Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. So we are in our series called Letting People See Jesus. Greg spoke brilliantly last week on Mary and Martha. And uh, this week I'm going to follow on with uh, the story when uh, the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. Um, But before we do that, I'd like to pray. That's all right. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. God, we, we want to just say now is your time, Lord. Pray by your Holy Spirit that you would unlock your word to our hearts and minds, Lord God. I pray it won't become head knowledge, God, but it will become faith. That it will change us, Lord, and transform us into the likeness of Jesus. We just submit ourselves to your word, Lord God, and say you speak to us, God, as individuals, not just a voice in a crowded room, but as God speaking to one man or one woman. Lord, I pray, communicate with us today. Help us to hear what you're saying, Lord God, and I pray my words would simply be your words, and that you would impact me as you impact all of us, Lord God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Right. So if you want to turn in your Bible um, and read with me, you can. I'm in Luke chapter 11. I'm reading from verse 1. It'll probably be on the screen as well as I go. So you can read it there. Let's read together. One day, Jesus was in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose that you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, Even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. I wanted to title my talk, Good 
or God today. And I want to talk in the context of this story that we have read together this morning. And I want to try and expand some truths to help us as we move forward for the Lord. You may think that um, as that disciple asks Jesus, Jesus, teach us to pray. I expect that he was sat watching Jesus and saw something amazing taking place as Jesus prayed. I suspect it wasn't some dry and dreary prayer going on, but there was passion and intimacy. And the disciples saw this and said to Jesus, we've got to have what you have. Teach us. Like John taught his disciples how to pray. Teach us how to pray, because I believe that there's a way to pray, and then there's a way to really pray. Amen. And if you're like me, I'm hoping that you want to be a person who engages passionately with the Lord in prayer for certain things, and we'll talk about those later. Not a mere exercise that I do, because I'm told that a Christian must pray every day, so I'll get my list out and I'll just tick it off as I go through, just to get it out of the way, so I can get on with the real business of the day. All right? We want to talk about the kind of prayer that is, involves our hearts and involves everything of us. So, when Jesus says this is how to pray, I just want to dispel the, the, the possibility that you might think this is a simple formula of how to pray. It's like if I pray with these certain words, then I'm really praying kind of a thing. It's not. What Jesus actually teaches his disciples in this message is a way that is far more powerful and life-transforming and world-changing. It's not about praying certain words in a certain order. It's not about praying through certain categories. I believe that at the heart of it, it's a way to relate to the Father. And if we can get that relationship working, then the prayer really works. Amen. So let's look at that today. Because I, I think, I hope today, that we'll get to unlock a key that is going to cause you to be so much more fruitful than you ever imagined and to do so much more powerful things for the Lord than you even comprehended. I believe that's available for us today. Do you believe that? Sometimes we may look at our lives and say, but I'm not really experiencing it. I hope today that you will be able to experience way more of the Lord. Um, so before we actually look at the prayer, um, I really want to talk about a foundation that this prayer stands on. I want to look past the prayer a little bit further down um, in the story, the second half of the story, when Jesus talks about the friend who comes knocking. Okay? And when he talks about the father um, giving good gifts or good things to his children. I want to talk about what this passage tells us about God as a person and what he's like. Because, you know, the way that we pray really stands or falls on what we believe God is like. Amen. If we don't think that God is good and kind, if we don't think that he answers prayer, we won't really pray. And when things are going difficult in our lives, when we do pray and it seems quiet, it becomes much more easy for us to doubt the goodness of God. But he's good all the way through. Amen. And so let's just point out a few things. Uh, I'll try and quickly find them for you. 
uh, or I shall summarise them. So you're in bed, you're tired, it's midnight, all the kids are fast asleep, you've finally gotten them in bed, and it's your time to rest. You know you've got to get up early in the morning, you want good sleep. Lo and behold, someone comes knocking at your door, please can I have some bread, I want to make some toast for a friend. Now, if you're like me, the temptation may be, what on earth are you doing knocking at my door? It's very British, isn't it? After whatever it may be, like nine o'clock, we don't call each other, we don't just pitch up. In Zimbabwe, it's different, okay? But in England, there's like boundaries, and this is stepping over the boundaries. So the natural tendency will be, maybe if we just lie here, and don't get up or turn any lights on, they'll just go away. Okay. What we understand about God from this illustration, actually, he's super compassionate. Hey? He's willing. Even when we're unwilling, he is far more compassionate and kind than we may ever think. If we take our standard for compassion and kindness from each other, he'll have a very low bar. But God's bar is high. Amen. He cares about the things that are trivial to other people. He cares about the things that are annoying to other people. To him, they matter. Okay. So it's important to understand that about God, that he's compassionate and that he's kind. And the second thing to understand about him as a father is that he is just so good. He's good. If you went looking for something bad in God, you would find nothing. Even in those parts of the Bible where you read it and you just think God is despicable, if you understand the context, you'll see his wonderful kindness and compassion and goodness in those things. So I want to say that up front today. Do you trust that God is good? Do you trust that he is kind and compassionate. If you can't resolve that issue in your life, it will affect the way that you pray. And it will affect the way that you relate to him. And it will affect everything else that I'm going to say from this point on. I just want to declare it. For you hear it again. God is good. All the time. <laughs> he is good. He is good. He is just light in God. There is no darkness. Amen. There's truth. There is no lie. He is what he is and he always will be. Amen. So that's the foundation on which we talk about this idea of good or God. All right. Uh, I want to I I just highlight a few things that are really significant about what the disciples understood about Jesus. And it's what I'm trying to kind of talk about already. When they come to Jesus, they use certain words that I want to highlight today. And I want to just dig in the back of those words because I think our everyday experience of those words may be very shallow. Okay. There's something that we can learn from the disciples. And the first word that I want to talk about this morning is the word Lord. <laughs> this is the word for today. Okay, and I'm going to unpack it going forward. They come to him and they say, Lord. 
Did you realize that when you got saved, you received Jesus as your Savior? Amen. That's elementary, dear James. Did you realize that you received him as your Lord? Do you realize what the word Lord means? I think I'm, I'm going to totally get inside your head right now. Because this has got inside my head. If you haven't started your walk with the Lord, with the correct understanding of the word Lord, I want to take you right back to the beginning again today. And I want to define it for you in a way that you will completely understand what it means to call him Lord. Is that okay? You're not sure. Let me tell you what the Greek word Kyrios means for you and I. When we say Lord Jesus, this is what we're confessing. Maybe it might have just been words for you before. I want it to be your heart's understanding. Okay. Lord talks about he to whom a person or a thing belongs. To whom a person or a thing belongs. About which he has the power of deciding. He's the master of your life. Do you, as a believer, commit to submit yourself to the Lordship of Jesus? Is he your master in every area of your life? Does he decide what you do? Does he decide what you, where you go? Does he decide what you give your life to? Or does he fit in a compartment where he gets certain aspects of lordship over your life? Either he's the lord of all, or he's not your lord at all. That is a relationship-changing question for us today. If you don't get anything else out of this talk today, I want you to go away and say, God, my Lord, are you the Lord of my marriage, of my family, of my work, of my money, of my time, of my relationships, or are you a bolt-on feature of my life? Like we bolt on data to our mobile phone account. If you can re-establish the Lordship of Jesus completely in your life today and going forward from here, you will pray differently. You will live differently. You will think differently. You will stop and say, what do you want, Jesus? 
What is it that you're saying? Amen. Lord means the possessor or the disposer of a thing, the owner, one who has control. It's a title of honor as well and of respect and of reverence. Is he your Lord? When you come to him, do you come to him as your Lord? Lord, servant. This is not Lord or servant. This is Lord and servant where you are subservient to the Lordship of Jesus in your life. Wow. What is Jesus saying to you today? What do you need to do about that question in your life? He uses the word prayer, which has two, the the disciples use the word prayer. This is my next little word I want to concentrate. Which has a first part and a second part. Which illustrates relationship again. Which talks about coming near to God to pray to God. That's what the Greek word literally says. Teach us to pray. Teach us to come near to you, Lord, and to pray. Can you relate to this idea that maybe sometimes when we pray, we pray at God? Rather than draw near to God so that we can whisper our prayers. It's relationship. Amen. It's not formula. It's about nearness. When we pray, we draw near to God. And the Bible says he draws near to us. It's relationship. That's the question that the disciple poses. Jesus, will you teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples? Let me move on and let's start to talk about Jesus' response. He uses the word father which for us is just means father. But if you look in the Greek and the Aramaic, they mean different things. And I want to talk about this dual role of a father in our lives. Okay? The Greek word that Jesus uses when he says, so when you pray, say, Father. Or as other versions that we know say, our Father in heaven. What he's talking about there is the Greek word, he's using the Greek word pater, which refers to father as the head of the tribe, the originator of the family, that place of responsibility. Amen? Like Lord in the family. You're a child of God, so we get to call him father, and he's the most awesome father in the world. But I want you to understand what kind of father Jesus is talking about here. He's using the word pater as opposed to the Aramaic word Abba. Now Abba is quite a trendy word in the church. And it's a bit of a discovery for a lot of people because it talks about that that unquestioning reasoning or love of a child. Before they have the ability to reason, they call them dada. Yes, that intimate, I trust you, you're close to me element of a father. But there's two elements at play. And Jesus uses both of these words, actually. When he prays later, Father, if it's your will to take this from me, he uses the word Abba. 
Daddy, Daddy God, Papa God. Okay? He knows how to use these words and he uses them selectively. And so when I talk about the word Father today, Jesus is saying when you come before your Lord, come before him as the head of your family, the head of your household, as the originator of the very faith that you possess. Not, ooh, daddy, daddy, daddy. There's a time and a place for that where we are just super relaxed, but now actually it's about the authority of God. We're coming subservient to the Lord. Amen. We're not, it's again, I keep drawing this idea, we're not talking about this kind of daddy. Yes? Where we're on the same level almost. We're talking about this kind of daddy in our lives. And Jesus says, this is how you should pray. This is the attitude of the heart that you should have when you come before me. Okay. Father. The authority figure over me. Not my loving, unconditionally dad moment. It's a, I'm waiting for instructions from you, dad. Tell me what to do. Yeah, we're not having a cuddle on the couch in this moment. You're leading me. I'm listening. I will go where you go. I'll do what you say I must do. I'll say what you say I must say. What do you want? Heavenly Father. Amen. Wowzers. I need to draw this to a conclusion almost. I'm only like a third of the way through my talk. And then he goes on to say, your kingdom. Your will. Do you see where we're going here today? What are you after? Are you after something good? Or are you after God? If you're after good things, you'll get them. But you'll miss so much more of who God is and what he wants for your life. There are good things in the world that are not God's things for us. Amen. So I just want to illustrate that and I want to draw it to a conclusion today. Proverbs 16 verse 25 says, There's a way that appears to be right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Can you look around you in the world and see how our politicians are leading us and this political correctness that we live in? There's a way that seems good to human beings, but it's absolute garbage. If we live our lives in connection with what God wants for us, do you know the world doesn't need normal people? It needs extraordinary people. The world is what it is because of normal people. God doesn't need us to be normal. And the way we stop being normal is by driving ourselves into God and seeking him as our father in heaven. I pray for Judah now every night. I pray God that he won't be normal. Do you know our kids just want to be normal? Isn't it? We talk about our faith and all they want to be is normal like everybody else. But we need to help them understand the world doesn't need those kind of people anymore. We need extraordinary, supernaturally driven people in the world. <clears throat> you remember in the Garden of Eden, God said to Adam, Adam... And they had this relationship going on. 
All right? You must understand that in the garden, Adam and Eve, before they ate from that fruit, they didn't know what evil was. They were constructed for good. And they lived in the context of good. And they didn't need to understand the difference between good and evil. Because that was God's job. They weren't constructed to be able to cope with having to choose between right and wrong all the time. I need you to understand that today. The original plan was that we would only know good. And so that's why when God said to Adam, you can eat from anything, any tree in the garden that you like, but there's just one tree, that one in the middle. If you eat from that tree, you will surely die. What was the problem with that relate? There was, that was straightforward, that was easy to understand. It was black and white. God was up front with them and said, I am your Lord. There was this lordship issue going on in the garden. Amen. But the devil came and began to sow doubt into the ears. Okay, Let's, let's look in Genesis chapter 3 verse 6. It says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good. Listen to the words here. The fruit was good. Every time God made something in the garden, what did he say it was? Good. There wasn't a point when he made anything and said, no, I don't like that, let me try again. When he made Adam and Eve, he said they were? Very good. Okay? Everything that God made was good. And everything worked because it worked in the relationship of him being the master. Amen. There was order. There was order in the garden. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. I want you to understand there was nothing wrong about that fruit. It actually was good. And this is what I was trying to say earlier on. There are many good things that are pleasing to the eye that evoke desire within us as human beings. But just because you have a desire for something doesn't mean that it's God's best plan for you. We need to mature. We need to grow up in our faith and learn how to discern with the Word of God. Not what other people recommend, not what other people say is okay and what is good. What does God say? Is He the Lord? He is. And he's spoken to us through his word. And he speaks to us today through prophetic and all sorts of other things. But do you know what the filter is? The word of God. The word of God. Amen. We need to discern between what is good and what is God. So what does the devil say to them? Listen now. He says, you will not certainly, you certainly will not die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that what you eat from, so sorry, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. See what he's trying to do. You will open your eyes and you will know the difference between good and evil and you will be like God. But we were never meant to live in that place. He sowed doubt into Adam and Eve's minds as if to say, God's trying to hold something good back from you. He's not good. 
I'm the good one. I'm the one who's showing you actually all there is that you can enjoy and experience in life. Do you see what's going on here? And so Adam, I mean, Adam and Eve, they look at the fruit and they go, hey, you know, that really does look quite good. And I'm hungry and I know it will satisfy me. And actually, wouldn't it be wonderful to know the difference between good and evil? And so they take the bite and the order is broken. And you need to understand that though you and I have the ability to discern between good and evil to a degree, we cannot 100% of the time know the difference. And there will be things that we think are good. And they look really good. And they make so much sense to us in the moment. But they are not God. They're not. And the end result is heartache and pain and sickness and death and sorrow. Am I being overdramatic? No, I'm not. That is the reality. That is the reality. We were not designed to know the difference. We were only designed to, 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 um, to exist on a good level. That's who God made us to be. And so the question for us today now is, what do we do with this? Because the Bible tells us that the plans that God has for us are good, pleasing, and perfect. The question you need to ask yourself is, do you trust God to be the Lord of your life? Or are you just going to put him in the controlled areas of your life and the rest is up to me, baby? That is the secret to you going from where you are in your faith to here. If you can let go, I want you to think of the word Lord. How can we re-establish him as Lord? Let go, L. Let go of the reins. You know what children are, little babies, when they're sitting in their little food tray and on their little feeding chair and, and you give them like a what's it, they hold it in their hand. And if you offer them another one, they take it and they hold it in their hand. And you offer them a third one and they're like... There's a real illustration for us right there. If we're going to take hold of the things of God in our own lives, we need to put the other stuff down. We need to put it down. So let go of the reins. We try and teach our children, think of the word, the, the letter O, to obey straight away. Amen. Did you know that delayed obedience is disobedience? If God tells you to do something, don't argue with him. If you feel the conflict rising in your life, is this God, do I really want to do that one? I don't really want to do this. Put it down. If you want to hear God, stop the chatter. Stop the conflict by putting your own thing down and just opening your hands and saying, Lord, whatever you want from me, I'll take it. Obey him. Obey straight away. 
When you feel a leading from the Lord that you know is him, don't delay. Do it. Next time you'll hear him so much more clearly. Let go of the reins. Obey straight away. R stands for rest. Rest in his goodness. Stop striving in your own ability. Man, when things go cockeye in your life, learn to rest in the goodness of God. <laughs> Don't start picking up everything around you to make it better. Because you might be picking up the wrong things. What are you going to do with those things? There comes a point where you reach your end and there's nothing more that you have to give. Don't make it that you have to get to that point. Amen. Just rest. God is good. He's good to you. He wants good for you. He has so much good stored up that he wants to pour out on you. If you would take the time to come to him and let him be the Lord in your life. So that's the letter R. And the, word, the letter D stands for dedicate. Dedicate yourself daily to the Lord. When you, when you take time to pray at the beginning of the day, say, Lord, you're the God of my life. You're the Lord of my life. Um, I give you prominence in every area. Your priorities are my priority. I want the thing that you want. If there's anything in me that is a desire that is not you, God, I just pray that you would let it turn to dust and die. Fill me with your desires. I want my life to count for you. I renounce and reject the lifestyle that I used to live, the way I used to be, and I receive you in all fullness in my life. I give you this day. Tell me what to say. Tell me what to do, and I'll do it because you're the Lord of my life. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray. That's okay. God, we want to thank you for the Lordship that you preside over us with. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we don't have to be the one calling the shots, that we don't have to make the, dif the difficult decisions, but God, we can rest under your authority, Lord God. We can rest as your children under your Lordship and know that as we are faithful and obedient to the things that you say and command us to do, Lord, your blessing will pour into every area of our lives. Come, God, be the Lord of me. Be the Lord of my marriage, God. Be the Lord of my family. Be the Lord of my friendships, of my work, of my money, of my time. Be the Lord of this church. God, as we bring ourselves under your complete authority, God, I pray you would release things in our midst and gather such a harvest that we will fall over backwards in amazement. Only you, Lord, rule in our hearts, rule in our lives. Come and take your place, Lord Jesus. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.